Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bundesliga show, uh, brought to you by Over the Bar. And we are back as a trio this evening, Mark, myself and Peter, all tuning in for what is likely to be an incredibly busy show. We've got an absolute barrel load of stuff to get through. So welcome to everyone. Uh, hope that you can get involved and enjoy the show. Before we get into anything, just a few bits of the usual admin. So we are indeed in partnership with Peter's uh, bully news that he writes for alongside Runa, who we do the fantasy football show with, and of course, the brilliant Bundesliga boxes. And um, please do make sure you smash a like on the video, comment along, whether it's live right now or subsequently, whatever your thoughts are on the games that have gone, deadline day, pokal, whatever it is, we'll answer it all during the show. And please do make sure that you subscribe to the channel and make sure that you don't miss out on any of brilliant content that is coming out. Um, right, so order of play, lads. We're gonna we're gonna do a bit of a transfer deadline day roundup first, then match week 18 review. Um, before we do, and during which we'll bring you updates um, as to goals flying in uh, in the evening Pokal match between Union and Wolfsburg, and it's 1-1 as things stand. Um, but before we do, we've already had one Pokal match, and um, it was a bit nip and tuck, boys, but the lads have done it. We're through. We've got it through. Um, a very harem um well, say performance, but end of the match. So, uh, yeah, Stuttgart, the first team through to the quarterfinals. I think the first time since uh, 2015-16, roughly speaking. So it's about time that they got themselves back into that um, part of the tournament and maybe a nice distraction from what's been happening in the league. Um, I'll open it up to the floor as, uh, as to what we thought about the own goal to start with, maybe. Uh, you should most certainly check it out. I'm sure it's up on YouTube by now. Uh, Costos Mavropanos just put a little bit too much pep on a back pass uh, towards uh, keeper Florian Müller, who uh, himself had a very poor match in the most recent uh, Bundesliga match day, set up a two-man wall with Dominic Schoboschlei 30 yards out dead center. So some embarrassing things going on for Stuttgart at the back, but as uh, Rory is, I'm sure, very, very pleased uh, to know, not only did Sehu Garassi score the winner, but new signing, uh, Gil Diaz, the uh, Portuguese journeyman who has played for, oh, eight different clubs now at this point, <laughs> has yeah. uh, completed just his second transfer in his career. He's He's been loaned out more than Taiwo Iwanigi was before he joined Union, uh, but he got a goal as well. He got the equalizer five minutes from time. Heartbreak for the East-West Falians. Um, they uh, certainly had hopes of, of making it past this year and almost got there thanks to the shortcut mistake. But Rory's in a good mood. Bruno Labadia has his first win since returning to VfB Stuttgart. And uh, there's something hopeful. Uh, if we want to discuss the match mm -hmm. day, we have different stories to discuss, but something a little hopeful for Rory. Yeah. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Um, yeah. Who, who's that? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's one step closer as well to a dream uh, quarterfinal between Nuremberg and Stuttgart as well. That's what we've, been, we've all been hoping for on the show, isn't it? I mean, obviously Nuremberg hosting Fortuna Dusseldorf this time next week. So, you know, hopefully an FCN win there. And then it's going to be the dream tie in the Max Morlock Stadion for the last eight, Rory. 
<laughs> uh, that would be fantastic to be fair um I, I would pay anything to watch that game um yeah that, that would be fantastic so yeah what one club through um out of minor marks dear dear sides um so yeah fingers crossed for for you boys next week um so yeah we, we shall move on anyway because it is deadline day and there has been um some interesting moves in the last 24 hours um so what I think we can do is maybe just kind of uh, go over some of the bigger moves and look at teams that have done well or, or done badly. Um, maybe starting with the the German champions, uh, seen some, you know, the ins have come in uh, in regards to the likes of the Sommer and Daily Blind, which are fairly mm-hmm. of bring for a couple of but now seen them snatch Yao Cancelo off uh, Man City. And looks like Marcel Sabitzer has also just gone out the door to my boys, um, Manchester United, to cover for the Christian Eriksen um, injury. Otherwise, I can't see why United. I can't see United would have done that otherwise. Um, so, what, what do we think to Bayern's market so far? I, I guess they're fairly happy with letting Sabitzer out because he wasn't really playing that much um, anyhow. Uh, yes, they certainly didn't need Marcel Sabitzer uh, anymore. And, of course, uh, Bayern were able to secure Jan Sommer. That was probably the most important transfer uh, for the defending champions uh, during this current window, considering Manuel Neuer is all laid up after that ski accident. A skiing accident, I should say, to be precise. Um, you know, this, as sensational as it was, this uh, Cancelo transfer doesn't really fix the problems that Bayern have at the moment. Uh, As Bundesliga fans know, these three 1-1 draws that Bayern have just uh, gone through, they've been unable to really crack the 1.0 XG mark in any of them. Uh, Nagelsmann found himself out-tacticed by Stefan Baumgart, uh, in my personal opinion, uh, midweek against Köln, and once again by Oliver Glasner this weekend against Frankfurt. And Nagelsmann has stated what he believes the problem is, namely that his team is not playing through the center. They have speed on the flanks. They have more than enough speed on the flanks. But they he cannot get his midfield uh, central link-up play sorted out. Uh, we can go into further depth about that. But the uh, transfer of Cancelo, that's a, that does not solve the problem that uh, Nagelsmann has, unfortunately. So... Uh, tomorrow night in the Pokal, a match that I recommend that everybody gives a look will be FSV Mainz 05 against uh, FC Bayern München. Uh, Mainz are coming off a very, very big win over the weekend, 5-2 over Bochum. We could potentially see an upset here. We could see Bayern eliminated from the day of the Pokal uh, <clears throat> for the third consecutive year running. And that is unheard of in German football. Yeah, definitely. And I think another transfer that stood out to me, which went through today, is over in Eintracht Frankfurt, obviously pushing towards a title this year. I mean, Luca Pellegrini has left the club to go back, well, back to Italy, to Juventus, Turin. And obviously, um, the replacement is actually Philip Max. I mean, for me, that's a good replacement because I don't think Pellegrini really did that well, did he, in an in a Eintracht shirt? I was a little bit underwhelmed by him in the performances that I saw him play. And I, I'm a big fan of Max. I mean, when he played for Augsburg, he was a real standout for them. You know, he got assists, he got some goals from the left-back position. What do you think about that, Peter? Do you think that's a good trade in there for Frankfurt? 
Um, yes, Pellegrini only played uh, 14 matches, uh, mostly in relief. Um, it's actually a somewhat curious signing because, as we know, Glasner's been using wingbacks. And uh, even though there's been an injury to Eric uh, Jr. Dina Ibimbe, uh, he has Aurelio Buta, he has uh, Christopher Lenz, he has Ansgar Knauf, who has been operating uh, very, very well as both a, a right and a, a left wingback. So it seems like kind of an insurance signing for them. Uh, I've not followed Mox very closely since when he was at Augsburg. Did he play wingback? Uh, yeah. yeah. He did on occasion. Okay. Because he, I mean, when he played for the German national team, he was always, the, the few instances that he did, he was always a traditional left back. So, um, yeah. I mean, Frankfurt, my selected sensational pick to win the title. They've gotten off to a sleepy start. A lot of Schlafwagen <laughs> They, they didn't do well against Schalke. They didn't do well against uh, Freiburg. And uh, they drew Bayern München by playing very, very conservatively, which, okay, they were in this deep 5-4-1. And you can get away with that if Rando Kolomowani is your uh, lead striker and uh, Jesper Lindström, Mario Götze, and later uh, Daichi Kamada are running your transition game. Uh, but we'll see. we got to see better from Frankfurt if they're going to be title contenders. Philip Mox on the left, Ansgar Knauf or Buta on the right in the wing as uh, wing backs, could have something. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, moving on to some other teams that uh, were slightly busier uh, in the market. Um, Schalke went loan crazy, uh, bringing <laughs> in everyone that they possibly they possibly could on loan. Uh, a couple of Bundesliga base players, so Tim Stark and Nicolas Toya um, from Mines, but also including two defenders, so Morris Jens and Yere Urunen, um, who both started at the weekend and obviously, you know, were a part of the team that kept a clean sheet. Um, I can't profess to know lots about the latter two that actually started, um, but Schalke just trying to reinforce, um, I guess, anywhere possible, basically. Um, also bringing in the striker, um, uh, Fry, who mm -hmm. did also start the game, but he will have his limitations, gents, because he's not the most mobile of strikers, is he? So, um, Schalke have done some half-decent business, I think it's fair to say, but is it going to be enough to be able to keep consistent clean sheets and then, you know, get goals at the other end as well, most importantly. Uh, we shall see. Actually, I've been impressed with Schalke's window. Uh, mm. when, when Ruven Schroeder, the, the sporting director, when he got axed in October and Peter Knebel, uh, Peter Knebel took over, um, I thought that he was going to run this club just like he did when he took over as acting sporting director back 21 or 2021 uh, uh, campaign. Surprisingly, uh, he's not been preparing this team for a year in the second division. He's actually brought in some very, very good targeted reinforcements. Um, we should, I think Jens, uh, they call him, when he was at uh, Glasgow, they called him Mercedes Jens, right? Um, he's a, a, German, a German striker, of course. He's from Berlin, or a German uh, center back. He's from Berlin. And uh, I was really impressed with his play uh, there at the back. I also think that Michael Frey, the uh, former Swiss League striker, has done well off the bench. Uh, Taroda was actually the one who started uh, in the nil-nil draw against Kern. Um, 
Marius Bulta has taken a little bit of a dip, but Rodrigo Salazar is back. He can function as the 10. They tried with Jordan Larson for a couple of games, but they eventually had to loan him. They had to park him in Denmark. Um, Skarka looks like he could do some damage up the wings. Uh, uh, Kozuki, have you guys had a chance to check him out yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Great story behind oh, him as well. The Japanese international, he's 22 years old, uh, but was playing with the youth reserves. And when he was called up and given a senior uh, team contract uh, this winter, all the German football world was buzzing about him. And for good reason. I think he's really, he scored his debut goal, uh, goal in the yes. Bundesliga. Um, I think he's a really good player. So we have some, we have a lot of different moving components coming into place here. Uh, the problem is, is that they are still the worst team in the league. Uh, it's a tough field. It's a tough league. And uh, I don't know, but it, it's interesting that they made a play for it. Because to be honest with you, if you had asked me a couple months ago, uh, uh, were Schalke even going to try to stay in the league? Uh, I, I would have said no. I would have said absolutely not. They're just going to prepare themselves for the Zweite Liga. But that's not what they're doing. So kudos to them. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, we've just got a question in as well from Jeff Wagner as well, saying uh, also about Max, who's just transferred to Frankfurt. He says, is Max in any way another attempt to fill the Kostic void or is he a totally different kind of player? That's a fair question, you know, because obviously Kostic left, didn't he, this summer. And obviously, the Pellegrini signing didn't really work out as expected. But what would you say there, um, Peter? Would you say that that's a correct statement or would you say it's a different kind of player, really? I, I think they've done a pretty good job of, of filling the Kostic uh, void, uh, and that's because Glasner's just played in a, in a, a very different system. Mm. The player that I would liken Philip Mox to is he's kind of a discount David Raum in the sense that he is a, a, a very physical bomber down that left-hand flank, and he loves to send crosses in. Uh, David Raum, of course, uh, is a big, mean, bad bruiser. You, you probably observed that in the, in the World Cup. He just simply will not be denied. I mean, it doesn't matter if he has a decent avenue, if he has a decent lane. He's going through anyway. And if he has to knock you over ice hockey check style, he'll do so. <laughs> not, not quite that aggressive, but it's a it's a good question. It's a good question because the Philip Mock signing tells us that Glasner wants to do something more off of that left flank. Um, does he need it with the transition game that he has set up? Maybe, maybe not. The only thing that concerns me a little bit about Frankfurt, I mean, Kolomuani is obviously doing awesome. Goetze is doing a great job. Kamada came off the bench, and that no-look pass assist. Oh, so good Lord. Was that sumptuous? Um, Lindstrom seems to be kind of dipping in form a little bit. I don't know what's going on with him. Maybe he's distracted, but he is having some. he's exhibiting some problems with his touch right now. So... One component of the Frankfurt counterattack, their transition game is not doing so well. We'll see. It's a good question. We'll see what he does. It's a, it's a very intriguing yeah. thing. I can't wait to see him back in the Bundesliga again. Maybe he can revive his career and, and get back in in uh, on Hansi Flick's radar. That's possible. Yeah. 
I think he was linked with Bremen as well, wasn't he? And before Frankfurt kind of swooped in as well. I was really looking forward to seeing him at Bremen, obviously with uh, Visor on the other side as well. I thought that would have been a fantastic pair of wing-backs as well for them. But obviously it wasn't quite to be for Werder. But obviously for me, he's a really good signing for Frankfurt. And I think we will see him start, maybe not straight away, but I definitely think he will get into that first team eventually. Yeah. But just one more I want to discuss before we move on to the match day. I mean, it's the, the transfer that didn't happen really. I mean, obviously, this morning it looked as though we were going to have one of the marquee signings of the Bundesliga, really, with obviously 30-year-old Isco, Champions League winner with Real Madrid, probably, what, three, four times, you know, Spanish international. It looked like he was going to be rocking up in the east side of Berlin, didn't it? But unfortunately, it didn't quite happen. So what can you tell us about that, Peter? Why did this deal not quite get over the line in the end? Um after Isco passed uh, his medical, he passed with flying colors. Uh, the final negotiations between the uh, Union Berlin administrative team, which is led by Oliver Hunat, a, a very capable and competent managing director, an excellent managing director. He's had a hell of a transfer window. Uh, Aysa Laiduni has uh, come in, the Tunisian midfielder. Also, Joseph uh, Joanovic. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jerome, uh, we were talking about Jerome uh, Roussignon. He had, I think, a very impressive debut midweek. Yeah. So Wunat has strengthened this side while still maintaining a plus transfer balance carrying over from the summer from a, for, uh, for about 17 million euros. Um, he could have made a, a splurge for Isco and put him on, say, 200,000 euro a week salary or something like that. But I believe what did it in the end is that he thought to himself, you know what, if Isco proves a dud, and I have this guy stuck on my payroll, and my payroll is loaded. Um, and do I really need him? You know, yeah. I mean, Randy Kadira uh, can run the three-five-two. We've not seen this 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 four-four-two we were talking about with Oz Fisher last time. Yeah, he hasn't really used it. He's he's stuck with his with his three-five-two. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, he I I suppose he just figured you know I have the the midfielder that I need. I have the buttressing attackers that I need, even though Genki Haraguchi departed to, for Stuttgart and they didn't really get a replacement. Um, I think that, uh, you know, and Andres Schaefer is hurt, the the Hungarian. Hmm. So we'll we'll see if this was the right move or not. But I think he just said, you know what, I've completed two big money signings. That's already got my payroll uh, a little bit more, you know, a little bit more hmm. bloated than I wanted. And I don't want to give in to this uh, player's uh, representatives, his agents. Hmm. and show that I could be pushed around like this. I mean, it's a very, yeah. very important part of footballing administration that yeah. uh, managers, as we call them in German, you you know, the, the manager is the front office guy and the trainer is the, the head coach. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I always have to keep yeah. that in mind when talking to Germans. Um, yeah. The managers, uh, they, they have to put their foot down sometimes when a player's representatives are insisting that he get uh, a... Because as far as I know, they were only discussing. Runert wanted to sign him till the end of the season, with an option to extend. The information published by Sportbild today suggested that uh, Isco's representatives wanted a 18th month long contract, and they wanted a hefty salary. And Runert just yeah. said, 
Yeah. And I think it would have needed Champions League. Like basically the idea of that signing would have been to qualify for the Champions League and then extend the contract. But that could potentially have disrupted the harmony of the squad, you know, because we've talked a lot before the Union. It's more to do with fight and hard work. We know that the players aren't exactly the marquee signings, you know, but I mean, they're, they're good players who work hard for the team and you don't know whether Isco would have bought into that. That's the problem. It's... Uh... Uh, they they probably would have had uses for him. Uh, they still could very well make the Champions League. They have attained maximum points. Yeah. Uh, they've looked very, very good um, in all three of the, the fixtures back from the break. Actually, with the, the odd exception being the Hatta spiel in which, you know, Hatta kind of stood tall against them for whatever reason. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, they're in second place. Uh, and they've attained maximum points. Urs Fischer is not doing any tac tactical tinkering. He's sticking with his 3-5-2. He's plugging in uh, uh, guys like Kevin Behrens. Uh, he's even got Jordan playing a little bit better now. It might be the case that the American starts again. He's got, with uh, Joranovic and Roussignol, two more great players for his wing-back rotations. So maybe, I think Runod said, we can qualify for the Champions League with the squad that we have. And uh, Rory, how about you give us a little bit of a of an update on on how they're doing in the Pokal? Because well, they're... I was just about to mention Juranovic because he actually got the assist for the equalizer. Um, so uh, it was Knopter who got the the goal on twelve minutes after Waldschmidt, um had scored after five minutes, and it remains one one as it stands. So going close to. 37 minutes gone in that game. Another uh, assist for, for Juranovic. Was it, no, was it another an assist? assist? Yeah. Was it also a, a corner or set piece? I do not know. I will find out for, for us. He looks uh, a good player, though. I saw him in the World Cup yeah. and I thought he's a really good signing for. He played for Croatia in the World Cup and he looked really good. Yeah. And yeah, I think he, they paid, what, about 10 million euros for him. So that's quite big money by Union standard. Well, what Fisher did is he immediately, his first game, he said that Juranovic is my set, uh, set piece taker. And midweek, he collected an assist off a corner. Yeah. That's that's amazing that you 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 bring somebody in and you say, I trust you with my set pieces immediately. Barely any time on the training pitch. Don't have time to learn the package. Don't have time to coordinate with your teammates. But I want you taking my corners. That's yeah. that's That shows that they really put a lot of thought into that signing. Yeah. Yeah, Jeff just, yeah, about um, confirming what I was about to say, actually. So, yeah, he took a short corner and then crossed it in. So, wow. there you go. Um, so yeah, 1-1 one, one as it stands there. Um, so, yeah, just a couple of quick ones then, um, just before we go into match day review mode. Um, so, it looks like, um, despite some nice headlines for Stuttgart, uh, this afternoon and, and bringing in a couple of players. Um, they will or have lost Armada. Um, I haven't actually seen official confirmation of it yet. I've not um, either. I must admit. Um, so I'm a bit puzzled by that one. Um, so it must be stretching time-wise now because Palace, um, I thought, would have got that over the line. Uh, but I guess they've well, got a lot of the transfer uh, window doesn't close till midnight over there, right? Yeah, so they've still got four hours, roughly speaking. So chances are that will go over the line. Uh, I'd be very happy if it didn't. Uh, <laughs> so we shall see. That could be one that goes uh, late on uh, into the evening. I think Mines have done well um, from you know from their signings. Ludovic Iorti, um from Strasbourg. 
Um, he started, obviously, the big 5-2 win um, at the weekend. Defensive reinforcements in um, Andreas Hanche Olsen. Uh, and also uh, another busy uh, transfer window for Augsburg as well, bringing in Kelvin Yeboa and Dion Beljo um, from a striking point of view and um, Croatian defender David Golina. Um, so good good moves in there, chaps. Um, any, any names I've mentioned that you can pick out? Also, obviously, the move from... Um, which obviously we've seen earlier on Kevin Schlotterbeck going to Balkan. Um, any other players that have maybe missed out that we've um, highlighted as as big movers? Uh, I think the Dortmund youngster as well, who moved to Dortmund for €9 million Euros as well from Anderlecht. I think uh, Julian Duranvi, uh, he's only 16 years old. I don't know that much about him, but €9 million Euros is quite a big uh, outlay from Borussia Dortmund for, for him. Do you know much about him, Peter? Or um perhaps the german press is uh being a little bit lazy but they they compare him with Jaden sancho so he's supposed to be a, a sancho like player or a sancho like player uh will sancho was with dortmund uh not necessarily the player that sancho is now but uh that is what they're comparing him to uh, in the german press i i think that um the Mainz signings it was very very good of, of rory to highlight that as yorke um has really made it a lot easier for his buttressing attackers when you have a classic nine like that and he can draw yeah. coverage yeah. hey we're discussing a kareem on hat trick coming off this weekend yeah. <laughs> we will be. Uh, and then mark considering that you're in uh, uh bavaria there uh in middle franconia to be precise you probably serve as our augsburg representative <laughs> they have, uh, seven new signings they signed yeah. two more in the last uh, 24 hours incredible i mean they have got i don't know maybe it's a 50 plus one violation we got to see but they are they had another busy window thanks in large part to this financial backing they're getting from from both football holdings so mark you want to tell us about augsburg signings yeah i mean obviously they are a very kind of secretive club aren't they i mean the way they do the business they just seem to pluck out signs from nowhere really don't they but i mean uh, quite a few of them quite a bit of money as well i think a couple of 4.5 to 5 million euros which is a decent outlay for a team that aren't even secure in the bundesliga yet ahead of next season but let's be honest augsburg are used to this position aren't they i mean they know what it's like to be down towards the bottom part of the table for me i've already mentioned before i don't consider them to be likely to go down it's always possible he could so i guess they're just building for next season and for the future you know and my, my only problem with augsburg is that you know a lot of these signings are a little bit obscure and i do believe that um you know a lot of these signings they don't come that good let's be honest i mean obviously we saw with ricardo pepe exactly this time last year he was signed on that famous deal really wasn't he and i mean everyone thought he was going to be the next big thing in the bundesliga and five months later he was out on loan in groningen in the mid mid table Dutch team, so you know we'll have to see. I mean, Yeboa looks quite exciting. I, I do that, like the look of him. He's probably the one that strikes me as the most promising of the signings. But we'll just have to see. A few of them played the other day as well against uh, Freiburg, but you know they obviously lost that game relatively comfortably. But I'm looking forward to seeing them, uh, and obviously I'm hoping to get down to Augsburg again before the end of the season, so I'll be able to let you know in more detail how good they are then. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely good stuff. Um, so we shall move on to our match day 18 uh, review. Uh, so the official start of the Rook Runder, 
Um, got underway on Friday evening. Uh, so Leipzig had the opportunity to put some pressure on um, current Bundesliga leaders by Munich. And they were able to, uh, in what was a rather stifled uh, performance uh, because of the way that uh, Stuttgart, I guess, played. Um, but the, the game, I guess, separated by one moment of excellence in terms of Shabozlai's second goal and maybe one moment of, well, pretty garbage goalkeeping as well. Um, <laughs> so um, I'll, I'll open the floor up to you, Peter. Um, what, what did Stuttgart do well in terms of stifling the way that Leipzig approached that game and, and maybe stop them from getting the three, four goals that a lot of people were uh, predicting because they were injury ravaged as well, um, the away side? Yeah, I mean, uh, Labadia lined them up in the most one of the most conservative five four ones you'll ever see. Yeah. Uh, and we got uh, Casta. Uh, how does one pronounce this Greek's name? Castaranas, uh, I believe. Castaranas, yes, uh, playing on the right there, uh, with Luca Pfeiffer starting as striker, and Chris uh, Fury, I believe, was on the pitch as well. Uh, it was not the greatest game of football, to be honest. I think that the garbage piece of goalkeeping that you and I have alluded to. Uh, Florian Müller uh, really letting you know that problem in the new Leipzig 4-2-2-2, which is Marco Rosa's sort of um, imitation of of the system that Julian Nagelsmann used to run when he was in charge of the Red Bulls. Needs a little bit more time to gel. I think that Timo Viana and Andre Silva will eventually uh, uh, really gel as a striking tandem. And he has to figure out where Christopher Nkunku goes when he comes back. Um, he'll be maybe a short striker, maybe a roving 10. Um, in any case, space has opened up for him after the uh, the injury to Danny yeah. Olmo. Uh, you know, it was just a ultra-defensive game of football from Stuttgart. Uh, they knocked the ball out with a lot of icing clearances. You thought you were watching an ice hockey game for, uh, for a second there. <laughs> um not too much to say about it other than that, really. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I was semi-hopeful after the VAR moment presented mm -hmm. uh, Stuttgart with the opportunity to get their goal, which Furyk unconvincingly slotted home. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, so that goes in on 68 minutes. But unfortunately, the momentum never really kind of uh, materialised into anything of any kind of relatable chance uh, and the substitutions that Sugar made were, were done, I guess, in hope rather than expectation of, of maybe forcing a bit of momentum. They had a bit more of the ball and, you know, they had the ball in, in more advanced areas than, than obviously they did in the first half. But yeah, it, it didn't look particularly likely and, and Leipzig probably made it more nervy just because of the fact that it was important for them to win that game to get themselves going. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll kind of move on from that one because, yeah, as Peter mentioned, it probably wasn't the most exciting game of football. And maybe we will go next on to uh the Berlin Derby, um, which was another obviously you know big, big result for um for Union, but you know, interesting stories in and around uh, the end of the game as well with Freddie Bobic um, being thrown out of Hertha quite quickly afterwards. Um, so 
Mark, did you see Bobic being um, removed from post so quickly? And, and what did you make of Hertha? You know, that I think they made a lot more of a better effort than they had done in the first two games, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, regarding Bobic, I mean, obviously he came to such fanfare, didn't he, to the Olympia Stadion? What was it, 18 months ago or so? And a lot of people thought he was going to be like the perfect manager, really. Obviously, he'd done well previously. But I mean, I'll be honest with you, just his time there was just a complete disaster, really. You know, I mean, the signings were just absolutely woefully. He had some very average players on big wages, you know. I mean, I know he didn't spend quite as much money as uh, what the previous ones had done, obviously, when they brought the likes of Piotek and people like that. And he had to offload some of those big signings as well, which you've got to bear that in mind. You know, some of those players that have failed from the previous regime, he had to offload. But, I mean, for me, it was just a complete disaster, really. I mean, so many people had hopes for him, but he just didn't manage to bring in a good coach. I mean, you know, obviously, even Sandro Schwartz, he was highly rated, wasn't he? But, I mean, three three wins out of 18 games of football is just not good enough. And for me, before the uh, – in the Hinrunder, they were actually quite good. I thought performance-wise, they were better than the results that they managed to garner. But the way they've come back after the break has been woeful, in truth. You know, I mean, obviously, getting schooled by Bochum uh, in the first game back and then humiliated by Wolfsburg and then – you know, I mean, they did well for periods, didn't they, against Union Berlin, who were obviously high on confidence after two wins uh, and a good win midweek against Werder Bremen. But for me, they were still well beaten, really. And I think, obviously, by the time they finally got the goal, just on the stroke of half time, really, by via Danilio Dueki. But I mean, yeah, Durki, I should say. Yeah, check my pronunciation on that one. But yeah, I mean, even if you look at the XGs, I mean, they only managed 0.8, which is absolutely woeful, really, in a home game. You know, it's just not good enough. And the way they're setting up for games just isn't right, is it? Just the team isn't working. You know, they tried a few different combinations. Richter came into the team and he didn't do very much. Dodi Lukabakio's early season form seems to be looking beyond him. And you know, I think I said, Peter, in our last show, I think I surprised a few people by saying I thought Hertha would go down just because I thought that there was a chance that the performances would drop off from the Hinrunder. And that's exactly what's happened, basically. And Bobic deserved to go in the end. You know, he couldn't justify staying for me. Would you agree with that, Peter? Or am I being a bit harsh there? On uh, No, not, not at all. Um, I, I also picked Hertha to go down uh, on, our, on our previous show that we did uh, yeah. earlier in the month. And oh, good lord! I mean, I could talk about Hatta all night. I have to try and get this this information out concisely. Um, essentially, what happened on Saturday? It's hard to talk about the football match. Football match was was not, you know. I mean, they neutralized each other in midfield. Uh, Doeki is the way I like to pronounce the Dutchman's name. Yeah, <laughs> people pronounce it Doeki, which in a American slang just doesn't work. It, yeah. it, it sounds like he's a piece of excrement uh, but he, he was, um, I, uh, I like him he's now scored three headed goals um and so he's uh, poised for a great Rukwanda. Hatta stood tall in many areas during the match but the match is not the story the match is this tsunami that happened <clears throat> after the match uh freddie bobic was uh, probably the most in-demand german football manager after his time at frankfurt because he was credited with building the Eintracht Frankfurt that eventually uh, ascended to the Champions League. Uh, he was 
so famous for cutting up bait, the way he sold off the Buffelherde of Sebastian Haller, Antti Rebic, and Luka Jovic. He was considered to be the most, you know, just this economical genius. And as a matter of fact, he was being linked with the with Oliver Bierhoff's uh, position uh, after Germany was, was eliminated from the World mm. Cup. He was supposed to be the German national team's new director. Uh, they, they brought in Woody Verla as a placeholder until the Euros in 2024, but Bobic was supposed to be the man. His career may be over now. I mean, what we saw from Bobic when he came into Hatta, almost like a megalomaniacal personality, he removed all of these people from the front office, brought in all of his own people, uh, dismissed uh, any other potential decision makers like Arnie Friedrich and, and uh, literally, you know, uh, almost a dozen others. And his transfer poli uh, policy was putrid. I mean, the man, you, you talk about him having to sell off the mistakes of the Jurgen Klinsmann era. Basically, what he was doing is he was selling off his own mistakes. And so what happened? And I've never seen anything like this in the world in, in all my years of, you know, I'm the, I'm the old man in the show here. So I've been following uh, German football for, for a couple decades. 48 hours before the close of the transfer deadline, they fire their chief personnel executive. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday, they roll. Look, as a writer, I'm exhausted. I couldn't, I mean, I've written so much about hats uh, in the last few days on Bully News. It's ridiculous. I mean, they introduce the new managerial team on Sunday and say, okay. You know, Bobich said last week, I'm done with transfers, not bringing in any more transfers, even though he had a little bit of money to work with. So that's the main reason why they fired him. <laughs> they bring in these two new guys, have no idea what they're doing. And they've had Hatta in the last 48 hours have seen at least four transfers collapse. I mean, that's, that's just what we know about. In most cases, they've been, you know, there's, there's other sources that reporting. They were after eight, nine, ten players that they couldn't get because no one was going to play ball with this green administration team that just got in the office. I mean, the amount of organizational disarray in that office, if you think you've seen a shit show in your life, I mean, that, that, that word doesn't even do it justice. I'm sure. <laughs> they were being bullied. Did you hear about this Dodi Lukabakio stuff? They were, they were being bullied to sell Dodi Lukabakio and all of this. I mean, you can't, Oh, the business of football, it may not be as interesting to others as it is to me, but I don't, from a business perspective, what would be a good analogy? This would be like, I, I just don't know. I mean, it depends on what kind of business you want to talk about. Maybe you fire an academic dean two days before the semester starts, or you, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you fire a restaurant manager just before the holidays hit, or, you know, you give, God knows what. I mean, this is, this is, I've never seen anything like it. Hats are definitely going down now. The uh, despite the fact that the team put a, a good performance in on Saturday, they're just th this is this is a mess. Th this is an absolute mess. Th th I mean, they Schalke have hope now <laughs> of avoiding automatic relegation because of what's going on with this team now. I've never seen anything like it in in, in my life. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I think. For any Hertha viewers that are maybe watching this evening or subsequently, we'll, we'll 
mercifully, mercifully move on to another game and, <laughs> and uh, something perhaps that was more more about the football. So we'll we'll come to um, spectacular minds, uh, shall we? Uh, and there. Um, the the O fivers getting five uh, against Balkum. Um really quick start, uh hat trick hero on this obviously scorer of three goals uh, and involved in the other two. Um, you know, Mines just got out and got out Balkum from the start and had the game won after a half an hour. Um, Mark, what what do you reckon to Onisiwo's form? Um he's having a bit of a a late blossom, isn't he? Basically, um, but I mean, there were elements of luck to the second goal where he kind of stumbles into the box and yeah. loses the ball, but Vidma, you know, slides it in. Um, but he'll get, um, so yeah, he's been a, a real plus and minds, um, you know, back back where they want to be and you know, looking ahead to obviously to tomorrow's Pokal match as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that's seven league goals from this season in 18 games, which is really, really good going for him because, as we've said before, he's more of a supporting act in most cases. You know, he's not known to be a striker that gets bags of goals over the years. But, I mean, a hat-trick for him is a massive event. You know, I think he's probably not had many of them before. Maybe it's his first Bundesliga hat-trick, in fact, I, I would imagine. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, he finally managed to seal the deal and right towards the end, didn't he, in... Uh, extra time but I mean it was a great moment for him I mean he's one of those players I really like his style of play you know he's a real hustle and bustle kind of forward he always gets stuck in I think he very much typifies the Bose Fenton style at Mainz and I just think he's really had a bit of a late career blossom as you say under Bose Fenton I would say this is not something that's come completely out of the blue I think he had a solid season last season alongside Johnny Burkhardt as well who obviously hasn't managed to continue the form this season unfortunately due to injuries and a lack of form and things like that but you know I think obviously maybe the signing of a joker as well could even push him even further too because he looked like he was a good kind of target man to hold it up and he's got a bit of quality up there you know again I think they signed him for a little bit of money as well probably quite big wages too uh, for, for Mainz and you know I think they look a good side again now and I think obviously ahead of tomorrow's match against Bayern Munich Bayern won't look forward to going there because you know, when Mainz get in form at home and they've got that good support behind them, you know, it's not a big stadium there in um, in Mainz, but it, it's they can really get a good atmosphere when when they get the when they fill it uh, to the rafters, you know. And I think uh, also Bayern Munich have lost on the last two trips to Mainz as well, so they, you know, obviously Julian Nagelsmann might be having a few sleepless nights tonight ahead of that game, you know, because obviously they are expected to win that trophy this year. It's been a couple of years since they won the Pokal. And, you know, there is a little bit of pressure on Bayern to win it. But as for Mainz, I just thought they were brilliant in this game to do the double over Bolcom after obviously beating them on the opening day of the season to the likes of Vidmer looks like he's coming back into form after, I think he played a few games in the World Cup as well for Switzerland, didn't he? So, you know, I don't think he had a very good hinrunder, Vidmer. He's a player that I really rate in general, but he didn't have the best hinrunder. But he's looked good since we came back, um, obviously, last weekend. And yeah, I mean, obviously, Balkan were well beaten in the game, but they did manage to get a couple of consolations, didn't they? Which is always good to see, really. And they did provide an attacking threat in the game and eventually getting goals via Malong and Masovic. But I mean, you know, for them, it wasn't the best performance. They, they, they relied too much on the home form. That's the problem with Balkan for me. You know, they don't pick up many points away from home. And if they are to stay up, which I still think they will do, 
they will have to win most of the home games. And, you know, they probably still need another five, six wins to maintain the status. And I believe they can get that at home. But it was Mainz's day on Saturday, wasn't it, really? Yep, absolutely. Peter, anything that you picked up from the game from a from a tactical point of view that uh, both Svensson employed or was it just get out and, you know, use momentum and, and win the game early? Well, we talked about what an important role Ajorke plays in, in drawing coverage. And uh, on a Siro's late f uh, career form surge, we're really, really happy to see that as German fans. He's a quiet, shy Austrian. Uh, and he's now he scored a, the first Austrian hat trick in the Bundesliga for over wow. 10 years. And it was his his um, first uh, Bundesliga hat trick. Mm -hmm. Only thing I can say, and I, I do like both of the teams. I think that both Mainz and Bochum uh, have what it takes to stay up. I really like the managers at Mainz right now. Martin Schmidt, the former Augsburg uh, uh, trainer, is is working together with Christian Heidel. They got that Ajorke deal done. They got the Hensha Olsen deal done. It was also a very good piece of transfer business. Um, I All I can do is, is repeat what I said earlier. Don't miss tomorrow night's Pokal uh, uh, match, football fans. It's going to be a lot of fun. And my tip is Mainz for the upset. Good stuff. Um, before we come to any of the questions, which we will try and get to before the end of the show, um, maybe another game that was of interest uh, two teams certainly not on form was uh gladbach um eventually putting four past hoffenheim as as they sink lower and lower it seems um but what was it a 4-1 scoreline gents um obviously gladbach showing ruthless precision in via the form of um hoffman and and Stindl um later on in the match but um kind of still get the feeling that the 4-1 doesn't necessarily mean that Gladbach are back so to speak yeah yeah so sorry uh, yeah I'll, I'll just have my ideas first yeah I mean even if you look at the XG I mean 2.5 for Hoffenheim against 2.1 for uh, Gladbach I mean it's not often you see that in a 4-1 win is it and I think that pretty much answers your question really Rory I mean Hoffenheim were dominant the periods in this game but um they just they're not taking the chances at the minute are they and um things just aren't going right for them I mean obviously they did get two goals uh, the previous midweek against um your boy Stuttgart, but in general, Kramaric isn't looking back on his top form, really. You know, he's had a poor season in general, Kramaric, and he's looking very, very... He, he used to be so prolific, didn't he? But this season, for me, he just hasn't had that touch in front of goal, and it looks as though he's lost a little bit of confidence as well. I didn't think he had a particularly great World Cup, either, despite a very good World Cup for Croatia in general. I didn't. I think Kramaric only ended up getting one or two goals in, as a starting striker. He didn't look particularly... I think both of those goals came in that game against Canada as well, so he wasn't overly impressive there. Kasper Dahlberg is, is an interesting signing, but he's not one that really massively excites me, in truth. I mean, I mean, he's never been that prolific, has he? I think obviously highly rated player all his career, but he's never managed to hold down the starting uh, spot. So you know, I didn't think he was great in the game. In truth, um, Dahlberg. But I mean, I guess it's positive that they're creating chances. I mean, Kadalabek and uh, Angelino, they do provide that quality from the flanks, don't they? They provide that width to the side, but. My worry is that they're not taking the chances and defensively they look really, really poor at the moment. Like They're, they're just shipping goals left, right and centre. And, you know, obviously Brooks came in for this game. I think Brooks... Yeah, was... 
I, I was going to mention that as a writer a really of really good sign as well. I'm going to put it from, yeah. I, I yeah. Uh, as as a writer of an Americans in the Bundesliga column, uh, a deep scout column in which I watch all of the games, all of the minutes. I've been writing this column for four years. You can also find that on Billy News. I have not missed a minute of action for any American that has played in the uh, <clears throat> in the Bundesliga for four years. Uh, I was excited to have John Anthony Brooks back because he is one of my favorite players. Um, he's, you know, we talked about this before, the, the American heritage players who are sons of U.S. soldiers are very, very popular uh, in Germany because they're kind of, you know, emblematic of, of what our country stands for. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, with the exception of Mark, who has a just a wonderful head, uh, uh, you know, to head a football either defensively away or, or, or into the back of the net, not <laughs> really a perfect head to head a football. <laughs> yeah. just behind you just behind you i give you you're number one you're number one you got the you got an excellent uh football <laughs> uh john anthony brooks had a terrible game he was at fault for two of the uh gladbach goals hoffenheim are really bad and i don't know why and the fans don't know why either the fans booed them off the pitch the fans were singing we have all the we we want you to fight because they weren't fighting um, now, there was a lot of overachieving from Gladbach in this one. You guys brought that up. That's correct. Pardon me. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Hoffenheimer, Brighton Rider is going to get sacked within a couple of weeks. I don't know what it is with this team. Nobody can make it work. Hoffenheimer can't make it work. <laughs> oh, there's a question. Yeah. yeah I question. think we'll, we'll come on to that one. Yeah, so go on, uh, Peter. I'll let you start then. So who would you say the best fans you witnessed then? Okay, since I, I heaped praise on Mainz, I need to remind everybody that I'm from Kaiserslautern and I'm not supposed to say nice things about Mainz. Um, if we're back in the top flight next year, I won't say anything nice about Mainz. My hometown <laughs> fans, I believe, are, of course, the best. But um, pretty much everybody who's in the league now, with the, ex with the obvious exceptions, Hoffenheim, Leipzig, to a certain extent Wolfsburg, uh, the Bundesliga fans are the greatest fans in the world. I would recommend going to any of those stadiums with those three exceptions. Yeah, and possibly Leverkusen as well. I think they don't have the absolute best, but a little bit better than the other three, I would agree. But it's Yeah, and Wolfsburg are getting better. You see, these company teams, they used to be reviled in the same way that Hoffenheim and Leipzig are. But if the fans get involved, and the fans really do bring the the German culture that we want to showcase to the world. We'll come around to them. We'll yeah, come around. Yeah. For me, for me, I think I'm going to go for Werder Bremen. I went to when Nuremberg played last time in the Bundesliga. I went to quite a lot of most of the games that season, and Werder Bremen. Wow, they were amazing. Like considering that Bremen to Nuremberg is probably what 500 kilometers. Maybe it's a long way, like 350 miles or so for you miles measurers as well. But it maybe <laughs> a bit further. It could even be 600 or 700 uh, kilometers. But it's a fair distance, and just the they must have brought. I think five six thousand and never stopped singing from before the game started to, until half an hour after and it was not only the the atmosphere it was so friendly as well i just thought they were fantastic like we were all talking to them after the game and having a beer with them and another mention i've got to give to schalke as well because i know that nuremberg have a friendship with schalke so it's a little bit different but i mean the atmosphere was just one of the most incredible atmospheres I've ever been to in any football match when Nuremberg played Schalke. Like literally, they play, you probably know the song Die Legende Lept, Peter, and they, they literally played this uh, song, The Legend Lives On or whatever. 
whatever. And basically they played this song and it was just amazing. All the fans in the stadium were singing it and it was wow. Yeah, that was, it was literally really incredible to see that. And as I say, the pre and post match atmosphere was incredible as well for that one. As I said before, please, uh, if you come to a Bundesliga game, everybody is more than welcome. Come to the stadium a couple hours early, chat with the locals, see what's going on, public service events, things like that, and stay afterwards and, yeah. and hang with the locals. That's You won't be disappointed. You will experience something like you never have before. Yeah. And yeah, and a point from Dave as well, our uh, Football League Weekly uh, person. Yeah, you said it earlier about going to Augsburg again. I hope you mm-hmm. still have the FCA card. Yeah, I don't know if you've <laughs> been there, Peter, but it's like a famous thing for Augsburg. If you want to buy a drink at Augsburg, you need your FCA card. Like, you can't just buy drinks there. You need to buy the official club card, and then you need to put money on it, and then you can buy a drink. Yeah, so it's a little bit, <laughs> it's I, a little I, bit special, really, isn't it? I love the Augsburg fans too, and they uh, they also um, during the pandemic when they were uh, not supposed to be singing, put on some great uh, you know drum work with kitchen yeah, utensils. Yeah. It was it was yeah. fantastic. <laughs> they were great. When I went there, I didn't expect the atmosphere would be so good, but they really have a proper ultras band. You know, ten twelve thousand behind the goal, and the general atmosphere is good, and the pre match atmosphere is really good as well. So it's. You know, it's recommended to go there as well. I have to say that as a Bavarian, but, you know. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, just before we finish off, gents, obviously the kind of headline of our show is the return of the title race. And we've not really talked about it because we've been so busy talking about other things. Um, because of the draw, uh, or because of the free draws that Bayern have had back to back, is the title race back on? Um, you know, Peter, you've already um, kind of given your your dark horse shout for, for Frankfurt. Obviously, Leipzig did get that important win. Dortmund found a way to win uh, against Leverkusen, um, you know, by hook or by crook on the counter-attack as well. It was a good weekend, actually, for counter-attacking teams, I'd say. Um, and obviously, Freiburg won as well. And it, it is tight at the top. Um, and, you, you know, is this another false dawn or um are, are we maybe going to see a bit more of a intriguing um rook run there ahead of us for the next well 17 matches i think so um i think that frankfurt and leipzig would still be my only two contenders at this point i like uh, freiburg's response to the wolfsburg for, uh, thrashing i think they're steadily on the uptick I really like, I mean, I'm, I'm shocked by what Union did in the transfer window, but I don't see them as title contenders. That's my three-horse race. Yeah, I think for me, I mean, yeah, it's definitely on. I mean, Bayern Munich, as you mentioned, it's not only the fact they're not winning, but they're XG. They're not creating the chances they need to win games as well. You know, I mean, I think, as you mentioned, they got just over one uh, for both of the last two home games. That's not, not the Bayern Munich team that we know, you know. And I think another point with Bayern is that, you know, Chupo Moting is showing himself, for me, the last few games that he's not that elite striker that they were hoping that he was becoming in the Hinrunder, really, you know. For me, I think he was woeful against Köln, absolutely woeful in that game and I oh, didn't think God. he was that much better against well, Eintracht to be honest with you. He's Nagelsmann as we were talking about he needs to sort this centralized midfield link-up play out and one of the problems with Chupo is is that he is very much a deep uh, drop striker hmm. and so you've got Chupo uh, dropping deep holding the ball up fair enough 
But then who supplies the link-up play? Is it Musiala? Is it Müller? Is it both? They tried both against Frankfurt, and it didn't work. All right, both of these got very creative players, very incredibly skilled players, but they can't drive the link-up play with Chupo dropping so deep. So we'll have to see what happens when Sadio Mane returns, of course. But I think three draws from Bayern, very, very poor XG. Nagelsmann has been beaten tactically in the last two matches, and I think Bo Svensson is going to beat him tactically again tomorrow. Once that happens, <laughs> gentlemen, you don't want to miss the Bundesliga. That's, you know, this Bayern era is going to come to an end at some point. And uh, I think it's quite possible that it comes to an end uh, this year. Mm. And that's why I we mean, stay tuned. You have to ask about his job security a little bit as well, Julian Nagelsmann, because I know last season, having spoken to a few Bayern fans, they weren't, not so much disappointed, but they weren't exactly uh, overwhelmed by him, you know, last season. And then this season, for me, has been a step back a little bit. I mean, I know the big thing was they lost Lewandowski, you know, that was a massive point, but they did spend a lot of money as well. You know, the likes of Masraoui, Gravenberg, Delict all came into the club and then obviously more re- Mane, of course, I miss him. So money was spent. Well, and, you know, I mean, it, they're still top of the league. They're still in the Champions League and they're still in the club yeah. at the moment. But the way the form's going, you know, it's not been that impressive. But knowing our log, you know, we'll batter Mainz and then batter Wolfsburg and then batter Paris in the Champions League as well. And then everything will be fine again, you know. But obviously things at the moment aren't looking that rosy for him, but... You know, if they do lose tomorrow against Mainz, then pressure's really on ahead of the Wolfsburg away game on Saturday for me, or on Sunday, or whenever it is. But yeah, just um, yeah, another question as well from Balam. Yeah, in the in the Regional Liga, DJK Filtzing in Bavaria at home in eleven on the 11th of February, he might be able to go to this, yeah. I think, Balam, you have to come to Germany and we'll go to watch uh, DJK <laughs> Filtzing. Uh, you're a big fan of them, I know that. So, yeah, if, if, to be it's honest so- with you, I don't even know where the... I would imagine it's a village. Uh, I've, I've never heard of the village itself, to be honest, but I don't know if it's in the Oberbayern or the Franconia area of Bavaria, but, I mean, yeah, I'd definitely be interested in going to a regional league game, but... Um, yeah, we'll have to see just how close it is for that one. And if it's nearby, there's a chance I will go down on the 11th of February. But, you know, if it's um, somewhere around Munich, it might be a little bit far to go for a day, possibly. Yeah, um, some chat from our good friend Irish BVB as well, <laughs> um, stating that only a few um, big away matches left Freiburg, Frankfurt and Austrian Energy drink mm. games at home. Uh, so, sorry, one away game left Freiburg and then Frankfurt and RB games at home. Um, shall, and, I offer up, shall I offer up some thoughts on Dortmund? We really haven't talked about them. Yeah, we can yeah. certainly do it. Absolutely. For, um, for the sake of Irish BVB. Yeah, yeah, you, certainly. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, they've, they've taken maximum points. Um, it's interesting what Terzic has been doing tactically. The first match against Augsburg, what a mess. You had Sali Özkan operating as the as the solo six, and yeah, yeah, it just yeah. felt so bad for him. He was a chicken with his head cut off. Uh, now he's he's tried Emre Khan at the position, who did an exceptional job against Leverkusen. Um, in my midweek column, I put together a projected lineup for Dortmund that I think would just be the best that they could possibly do, maybe even contend for the title with it. And that would be a back three. Let's put Hummels, Schlodderbeck, and uh, Sule in a back three. We'll put Ryerson uh, and uh, <clears throat> perhaps Marius Wolf, uh, uh, perhaps Rafael Guerrero, whoever we can find as as the wing backs. Mm-hmm. 
We have Jude Bellingham running the midfield as a solo six because he is uh, the epitome of a box-to-box player. And Gio Reyna and Jamie Bino-Gittens should be starting on the wings at this point. I don't know why they are not. With Sebastian Haller, one of the greatest comeback stories of this. Mm, uh, absolutely. Uh, setting alone a striker. Hey, they're back. I think, and I've said that a lot over the past 10 years, but <laughs> I think that this time, okay, they've pulled me back in. They, I may be out again after next weekend. We'll see, but they've pulled me back in. Uh, I need at least, I need, I need some more stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Jeff's looking ahead a little bit to um, Fulsberg, um FCB matchup this coming weekend and, and whether in whether we, we will get a, maybe a kind of reminder as to who buy-in are and, and maybe what realistically Wolfsburg can achieve this season. So do, do we think that that will be the case this weekend um, or, or will we see another 1-1 one, one draw? Um, I, uh, Wolfsburg really charged out of the gate. They looked like they were the hottest team in the Bundesliga, but then they lost to Bremen last weekend. They sort of fell into that old Wolfsburg habit of running out of ideas uh, in the final third and and just really playing unimaginative vertical long balls and things like this. Um, let's see. There's a live match between Wolfsburg and Union Berlin going on right now. Um, if Wolfsburg dropped this match and have lost two in a row, um, I'm not thinking that Nico Kovac's return to his old club is going to go all that well, irrespective of what happens to Bayern tomorrow. problem with Wolfsburg is they they've sometimes accrued points by, by still playing ugly football, even though the first two matches back from break, they're incredible. Yeah, but they uh, it, it happened against Bremen this weekend that they, that they just dropped it. So that's my thoughts on the matter. We'll have to wait and see. We still got Pokal matches to, 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 you know, draw upon. This is very true. Um, I think we've pretty much, gone through everything that we wanted to tonight and, and gone through the majority of questions that have come in. So it might be a good uh, place to bring bring the show to a close this evening, just uh, checking up on the score. It is still 1-1 in the Pokal between Union and Wolfsburg, getting close to an hour gone. Um, no substitutions yet either in that matchup. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if that um, goes the distance or not. Um, so thank you all uh, to everyone that's tuned in this evening, that's asked questions and, and watched along with us. It's been great to go everything. Um, hard to sometimes condense everything that's been going on recently into an hour's worth of, uh, of show. Um, so, yeah, thank you. Thank you all for, for tuning in. Um, and so I shall gladly hand over to Mark to uh, to wrap up this evening's show. Yeah, absolutely. So if you enjoyed what you saw today, then remember to check out our Twitter, which is obviously at Over the Bar FB and at Over the Bar Extra. Also check out our main site, which is otbfootball.net. And of course, Peter and Runa's brilliant site, Bully News as well. Don't forget about that one. 
Um, yeah, but obviously our OTB site is not only Bundesliga related, it's football in general. So we've got a lot of our focus is on the football league as well. So we also have a, a live show every week, which comes on Wednesday evenings for uh, the championship league one and league two. So remember to check in for that as well, especially if you're a fan of lower league English football, which to be honest, has a lot of similarities to German football for me as well. You know, it's more for the purists rather than the Premier League, definitely. And yeah, obviously, finally remember to like, comment and subscribe. We are slowly growing as well. You know, we've had a, a successful start to the uh, Rook Runder as well in terms of views uh, and also subscriptions. So, yeah, keep following us and tell your friends about us as well. But yeah, thanks again to Peter for joining us. Um, and yeah, Always we'll see you again for the um, Fantasy Football Roundup on Thursday. So see you then, guys. Bye bye. Thank you. Mm -hmm.